Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. And thank you guys for joining me in my home from McKinney, Texas, here for Gospel Saving Church. And thank you coming, all you that are coming from online, SoundCloud, all over the world. God bless you and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be today in uh, the second book of Timothy, chapter or, uh, 1, verses 1 through 7. But we always start with a word of prayer. Again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. But if you join me in a word of prayer, then you can start going through it as I'm going through my thoughts from last week's message. So, Lord, thank you for bringing us all here, Lord, and thank you for your words of wisdom in your Bible, Lord God, because they are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your love and for the way you show us your love and you don't just tell us you love us, Lord God. You, you show us you love us, Lord. And even examples in the Bible, you show us love, Lord, and you don't just tell us you love us. And I'm just so thankful for that, Lord God. It gives us a perfect example on how to love one another even today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your word today by your Holy Spirit. Help us to know what to do and how to live and, and Lord, how to follow you. Because that's what's most important in life. Are we really following Jesus Christ, Lord? Have we really decided to take up our lamp and to follow Him, Lord? Thank you so much. Lord, we ask you to bless this message, bless our hearts, bless our ears. And uh, Lord, may you speak powerfully today. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I said, 2 Timothy we're just going to be in the next book over from where we just finished 1 Timothy last week, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 1-7, through 7, and I'll get to that after my thoughts from last week's message, God is enough. So last week, the main focus of my sermon was God and His provision are enough. Remember that came for, from 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Remember Paul said that in the very first verse of our sermon last week. And we read over what Paul said about the dangers of what happens to someone, Christian or not, if they don't choose to have this attitude and to start to lust after or desire wealth or the things of this world. And the results were uh, three main big ones, a a destructive lifestyle, remember, many sorrows, plus adding specifically for Christians only, straying from their faith in Jesus Christ as a result of if they were to fall to this trap. Those are some pretty dangerous or pretty sad results as, you know, if you look about a destructive lifestyle, sorrowful lifestyle, strength from your faith, those are not things, those are not ways that God wants, you know, people to live. Now, on that last point, how Paul wrote, you know, that Christians could stray from their faith because of their desire to be wealthy or desire to have things of this world, how can this happen? How can, how can we fall from our faith if we desire uh, I would really say the main and only reason would be following God in Christ is not an easy thing to do. So simply the saying of, you know, to be like Christ is a tough thing. Most of the teachings and duties Jesus Christ has given his disciples or followers to follow go against your natural desires of your flesh. Think about it. Our minds say Live for the lusts of the flesh. Do the things that make your flesh body feel good. Yes, more, 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 more. Christ says, deny self, pick up cross, and follow after me. Stark contrast, for sure. 
uh, just to look at a few of the commands or commandments that God puts in his word for those that love him to follow and, and the opposites here. So Paul says, Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and murmuring. Well, I know from my mental mind, from my flesh, I know the first time something goes wrong, the first thing I want to do is complain about it. So God says, don't complain, don't murmur. Your mind says, do it right away. Complete contrast. It's, it's, they, they butt heads. God says in Deuteronomy 6.4 and Matthew 22.37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Now, my mind says, love me. Do the things that I love. Do all the things that I love. Do only the things that I love. Forget love and God. Complete contrast. Jesus and the Old Testament both say in Leviticus 19 and Mark 12, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus goes on to give a, an analogy about how that neighbor wasn't somebody that was really a likable type of person. They were kind of like the worst person in the world that you could love. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Well, I know when somebody does something wrong to me or, you know, it's not myself, I don't naturally want to love that person. I don't want to naturally love my neighbor. I want to naturally love me. Self-love, self Worship. That's what our minds and that's what our flesh wants. Self-love, not love your neighbor. God says in the Old Testament, and Jesus says, so Exodus 20, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery. And then Jesus adds in Matthew 5, don't commit adultery mentally or physically. Don't even, even if you look at a woman to lust after her, that's committing adultery. So therefore, my flesh, my, my eyes, they want everything. My eyes, they want to look at every woman. They want to lust at her. But I have to deny self, pick up cross, and follow after Jesus. So Jesus' ways that he told us to live are extremely, extremely, extremely hard. And they go against our personal or any person's natural fleshly desires. So you see... Because most all the teachings of Christ go against our fleshly desires, which makes them hard to do. If a Christian doesn't have the attitude of, God in his provision is enough for me, how long will they really continue to strive to live by and follow the teachings of Christ Jesus? If they stop believing God in his provision is enough for them. The answer is, is not very long. If God and His provision stop satisfying you, if in Christ and in God you don't find your sufficiency, you don't find your everything, you don't find your peace, you don't find your hope, you don't find your joy, then you're going to eventually stop obeying Him because you only obey Him. I only obey Him if you're a Christian because we love Him. I don't obey him. The wrong heart to obey him is because I can get saved. Because that's, the Bible says you can't obey everything God told you to do and then you can be saved. No, that's, that's salvation by works. No, I only obey God. You only obey God if you're a Christian because you love him. The same way you only love your spouse because you love them. You don't, you don't do nice things for them to get you to love them, to, to get them to love you. You do nice things for them to show them how much you love them. Okay? If God and his provision stop satisfying you, then you'll eventually stop obeying him out of love and start to try to find someone or something that will satisfy you. And this becomes the point at which a Christian can stray from their faith. As Paul said, that the desire for wealth or other things you could even add, he's seen Christians stray from their faith. Now, same relation can be made with man or a woman that's dating or married. 
even if you look at it in the physical realm. If either one of a man or a woman begins to not be enough for the other, so, you know, a husband uh, stops thinking that the wife is enough for him, or a wife starts thinking that the husband's enough for him, or a boyfriend vice versa with a girlfriend, and a a girlfriend vice versa with a boyfriend. If either one of them stops believing and stops feeling that each one of them is enough for one another, mentally, uh, physically, and emotionally, which happens, by the way, in our American culture all the time in our day and age, what do they do? They go find someone else that they think will satisfy them, that they think will be enough for them. And what happens is, is after they do this and they become dissatisfied with their partner for usually the wrong reasons, as where people actually get dissatisfied with God for the wrong reasons, their relationship in a humanly perspective and in a godly perspective, their original relationship or marriage falls apart. And usually what happens, both spiritually and physically, is divorce follows. So Christians, be very careful to stop thinking that God and His provision for you is enough. You just need to make sure you keep your eyes off the temporary stuff and pleasures of this world, because they'll never satisfy you. No matter how much money you ever get, no matter how many houses you ever buy or cars you're able to afford, or no matter how many this or that or TVs or whatever that you're able to buy, none of those will ever satisfy you. Because your flesh, the, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Solomon wrote that, and that's true. The more generally a person has, the more that they want. So stop looking at those things because they'll never satisfy you like Christ will. And fix your eyes in the things and the ways of God that caused you to fall in love with Him in the first place. Usually that's all that a relationship people have to do in a relationship too. Stop looking at the things that you think dissatisfy you about your spouse or about your husband or about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever and start looking back to the things of why did I love them in the first place? And you'll find that if you do that, you'll be able to look past the things that you're dissatisfied with And they're not going to matter. And why you love them initially is really why you're with them. And it's the same thing with God. All right, praise the Lord. Well, let's switch gears and let's get on to our new sermon for today. Surprisingly enough, as it was a surprise to me, even as of like today or yesterday, I kind of got this message title from God. I kind of wrote the whole message and then went back through it and said, okay, God, what's the title? And so our title for today's message is... God is enough, part two. Yes, God is enough, part two. I didn't initially plan on that being the title, but as I looked at the material and everything God had given me to write over this week, this is our title, God is enough, part two. So this is the second message, just you know, kind of similar to last week's message, but in with some new context and some new things that we're going to read over. So let's read over 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and see what God has to tell us today. We read, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. 
when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now you may be thinking, Pastor, where, where do you get God's enough part two out of all that? Well, I'm, I'll get to it and you'll just have to see. Now I just mentioned earlier in my overview that a Christian or a follower of Christ must stay focused on God and his provision being enough for them or they must continue to be satisfied with God and Christ alone and what he's given them, right? That's what I just said. Or else they'll end up straying away from their faith because obeying God's word and following Jesus Christ is difficult. These are the things I just said. Sound familiar? Because they are. Well, I know this to personally be true because I've personally gone through some things in my life and I know this to be true because of Paul as well. If it wasn't true, see, if that statement wasn't true, if God wasn't enough for Paul, or the things that God had blessed Paul with wasn't true, and that, he was, and that if he wasn't satisfied with those things, Paul would have strayed from his faith in Christ Jesus really quickly as he writes this second letter to Timothy from prison. Yes, that's right. Paul went to prison for his convictions, his following, and his preaching of Jesus Christ. And in prison... We'll get to it in a little bit, but summing it all up, he suffered greatly. And guess what? God had to allow it. Nothing that happens to you if you're a Christian is something that God says, oh no, I don't want that to happen. God's allowing it. Whatever you got going on in your life right now that you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? God's allowing that to happen to you. The same way God allowed it to happen to Paul. God allowed Paul to go to prison and to suffer greatly, and yet he was the great Apostle Paul. We'll get to that a little later. Paul mentions in this, in this epistle, in this letter, he mentions his imprisonment in chapter 1, verse 16, and in chapter 2, verse 9, where he writes about his chains. Being in chains, that would mean he was in chains, shackled with, with metal to the, to the wall or to the floor, in chains, in prison, and then he mentions being in Rome. Now, church history tells us that Paul was in, prison, was in prison, suffered greatly, and eventually was put to death by Nero in Rome around 65 AD. So this, was, this letter was written nearing kind of the end of his life. He, he eventually, after this letter, shortly or in a few years or so, died after he wrote this letter to Timothy. In prison, under the hand of Nero, as did Peter, the apostle Peter, in around 65 AD. In saying all that, not only did Paul not stray from his faith in Jesus Christ because God and his provision were enough, but did you happen to catch the amazing detail in this section of scripture that we just read over? Did you happen to notice a constant theme of when we read over this, the first seven verses, what Paul kind of, what he was doing? What details are you saying or what detail, Pastor, I didn't quite get it. I was reading it, but you know, I didn't quite get it. Paul's words to Timothy were full of encouragement. And you're going to see as we continue to read on, the encouragement from Paul to Timothy doesn't stop. 
Neither does his mentoring of him. Neither does his leadership to him. Neither does his love to him. Neither does his thankfulness. You'll see that as we move on. Paul's words were full of joy, full of love, and full of encouragement. Despite Paul telling us throughout this book, just a quick, quick, quick kind of, you know, overview of what happens to him, all the down things. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, he tells us first, at his first trial, to, you know, kind of fight for his innocence, because Paul was an innocent man. He wasn't in prison for anything he did wrong, except for the preaching of Jesus Christ, which the society saw was wrong, but isn't really a wrong thing. At his first defense, every Christian that he knew that was with him left him. So he stood at his own defense... Defending himself without any of his beloved brethren standing with him. He was abandoned. It's pretty hard. He sees at a total of five born-again believers that ministered with him leave the faith while he's in prison. Five people that were working with him in the gospel, serving Christ, loving God, leave the faith while he's in prison. We'll read that as we keep going on later on in the book. And he was tortured pretty badly by a fella named Alexander the coppersmith. And if that kind of gives you an idea, Alexander worked in copper. And if Alexander the coppersmith was tortured, it probably meant that he was kind of using some hot metals in there. So it was a real, real, real bad experience for Paul. Real tough time, real horrible point in his life. Now you know, There's no way Paul would have been able to write a letter of encouragement to Timothy from prison with all those things I just read going on in his life unless he had surrendered to and gave his heart up to and had the attitude of God and his provision are enough for me and I don't need anything else to be happy. Paul realized and surrendered to every, he surrendered every area of his life to this point. God is is enough for me. And I'm not going to let my joy or peace be taken down because of all these terrible things that are happening to me. God is enough for me. Everything God's given to me, I'm going to make enough for me because I'm certainly not going to find them in my life right now. And because he practiced this principle, He had a beautiful attitude in the midst of a literal type of hell on earth. Literally, he was shackled and manacled to the wall or to the floor, kept in prison, tortured by a coppersmith, and abandoned by everybody he knew at one point or another. That's a pretty, pretty horrible life. Because of this monstrous time of life he was in, it would have been very easy for him to be horribly angry and be deeply depressed. Don't we know, like, you know, when we're kind of having a bad day, right, or a bad time in life, how easy it is to be angry? Oh, when things don't go our way, oh, man, golly, Lord, I'm just depressed. I know I'm guilty. I don't know about you. Man, Lord, just things aren't going my way. Oh, my job and my boss and my this and my that and my this, my, my, my this, my that. Oh, anger. Rage, depression. Well, not Paul. And Paul was having just a little bit more than a bad day. Paul was just having just a little bit more 
of some, you know, some pain or some suffering or a lost job or, 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 or a physical illness that he has going on with. He had a lot more than he had going on. And yet, with all that he had going on here, Paul kept a positive, beautiful attitude in the midst of a terrible, terrible situation because he surrendered to God and his provision is enough for me. And I'm not, I'm, and I won't be happy with anything else because you really can't be anyway. You can only find your happiness and you can only find your joy when God, you realize God is enough for you. He even mentions this in his greeting in case you missed it. He mentioned, he starts off with the, the, the second Timothy in the second letter with verse one. And he says this, listen to what he says here. And I want to see if you can hear this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, so I'm the one sent by God. God gave me this ministry of apostleship, one that goes out and prepares the saints and so on and so forth. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, so God willed it, according to the promise, there you go, God's provision, the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul remembered that he was a sinner. Paul remembered that he and I, and you, and he didn't remember this, of course, but I'm saying as well, as well, Paul remembered he, as well as we can remember, we are sinners. We've broken God's law. We've blown it. We've cursed, we've used God's name in vain. We've stolen. We've committed adultery. We've done this. We've done that. We've broken God's laws. And yet he says here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, so God not only knows that I did that, but he sent me anyway, according to his will. I, I, I have the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Christ died for my sins, and that's my first thing I'm mentioning in this whole letter, even though I'm suffering terribly. My life is horrible right now, and my whole world's come crashing down upon me where I had a bountiful ministry in charge of all these churches, leading God's people, and now I'm stuck in this filthy, rat-infested prison, because prisons weren't then like they are now today in America. Prisons were a lot harsher and a lot worse then than they are now. And torture, oh, I didn't care. Torture, they often tortured their prisoners. It didn't even matter at all. But Paul remembered that he was a sinner, had broken God's laws, and therefore deserved death and hell. But because of what Jesus Christ did for him, he could have eternal life. And he chose to be joyful because God's provisions for him, of, of everything, the blessings that he had, even though they were probably few in his flesh, and the blessings of eternal life through Christ were enough, even though he was going through a horrible horrible situation. Christians, keeping your focus on God's promise of eternal life in Christ is probably the best way to stay satisfied with God and his provision for your life and not to stray from your faith. If you start only focusing on your problems and you don't look at any of the blessings that are in your life, because they're blessings, if you're alive, excuse me, if you're alive, you have blessings. You may not be able to see them because you're not focused on them. But if you're alive, you have blessings. Even in the worst situation, you have blessings. But if you decide to focus on all the bad, everything that's going wrong, all the downsides in your life right now, whatever they may be, 
you'll, you end up straying from your faith because you won't ever look at God's goodness. You won't ever look at God's promise. You won't ever look at what Christ Jesus did for you. And you won't ever look at what God did for you and the, the many blessings that he's given you in your life. It's important that we stay focused on God is enough and what he's given me is enough and I'll be satisfied and happy with nothing else. Paul mentions some more ways to stay satisfied in God and Christ in verse 2. Let's read them. He says, To Timothy, a beloved son, even though all had abandoned him in Rome, he still had Timothy, which he knew was a beloved son in the Lord, which he writes to here. He says here to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What does God continue to do if we're faithful to Him? If we walk with Him, if we show Him our love, if we live for Him, God continues to give the followers of Christ grace. What is grace? Grace is a gift we don't deserve. As I just said, Paul realized I've blown it. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Yet God keeps giving us grace. He gives us grace. He gives us the gift of eternal life, which we do not deserve if we're his. He gives us mercy, grace, mercy, and peace, Paul says. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. You deserve hell. I deserve hell. Paul deserved hell, yet God wasn't going to give him hell. Because God is a merciful God. Because Paul repented and turned to Christ. And therefore God gave Paul and God gives us, if we do that today, mercy. And he continues to give us mercy. And he continues to give us peace. If God will be enough for us, if he'll be enough for us, we will have peace in Christ. We'll read that a little later as Jesus speaks about that later. And tell me now, our grace... Mercy and peace, not awesome ways to be thinking about God, to keep yourself staying focused on how God is enough. I mean, these things, I mean, honestly, I even if you just meditated on God's grace and his mercy all day long, no matter what else you got going on in your life, wow, you mean I'm getting a gift I don't deserve. Wow, I could think about that all day long. And then mercy, man, I deserve hell and I'm not going to get that. Oh, man, wow. That just brings a heart of thankfulness to even in the worst situation you could have. You're getting God's grace and you're getting God's mercy if you're following Jesus. If you're continuing to put your faith in him, if you're continuing to follow him, God's continuing to give you your, his grace and his mercy. And when you do all that, you'll have his peace too as well. I don't care what anybody's got going on in their lives. Those things are easy things to think about as far as thinking about why you love God, why God is enough for you. The world doesn't offer those things. The world doesn't give you things that you do not deserve. The world doesn't give you gifts that you don't deserve. The world doesn't do that. Only God does that. And you see, with this attitude of his life surrendered towards God and his provision are enough for me and I'll be happy with nothing else. Look at the good fruit that comes from this attitude. Look at verse 3. Paul continues to say, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now keep in mind as I go through this verse, keep this in mind. Keep in mind as I'm going to break down a few things that I see here. Paul's suffering. Paul's seen people abandon him. He's seen people walk away from Christ while he's been in prison. 
Paul's been tortured. Paul's been shackled to the wall, to the floor, whatever. Paul is suffering. Paul has every right to be angry. Paul has every right in the physical to be depressed. Yet this verse 3, what does he tell Timothy? He says, I thank God. He's thankful. He's thankful. He's in a miserable miserable position, yet he's thankful. He remained thankful and in God's service with a pure conscience, even though he was suffering. Wow. Are you kidding me? I know if I have a bad day, I have a hard time staying in God's service sometimes. I know if I have a hard day or I get into an argument with somebody at work, I have a hard time being thankful. I know when when somebody hurts me real bad or somebody says something real bad to me, I have a hard time being thankful. I had nothing compared to what Paul had going on here. And yet Paul remained thankful and in God's service with a pure conscience while he was going through all this. And the second thing I see there, he says he remained in prayer fervently and constantly day and night for Timothy. What? For who? He didn't say, and I stay fervently in prayer for myself, Timothy, because I've got to get out of this situation. I'm praying night and day that God would somehow, someway deliver me from this position. No. He tells Timothy, I'm praying for you. What? He was thinking, not only thankful, not only staying in God's service, but praying for Timothy and not himself. Night and day, he says here. Night and day, fervently. Praying for Timothy in the midst of his terrible, terrible, terrible position. Now, if I had one letter to write to my best brother or sister in Christ from prison, where I was suffering, where I had been abandoned, where I had been tortured, where I was shackled to the wall, while rats might might have been nibbling at my toes because they didn't care about prisoners in those days. If I had one letter to write from prison, what's the first thing that I might write? What's the first thing that you might write? Well, for me, I'd say this. For me, it'd be, hey, brother, sister, pray for me. Ask God to help me. Get me out of here. Please get me out of here. Make all these bad things stop happening to me. Pray for me, brother. Pray for me, sister. I want out of here. This is miserable. I probably wouldn't be telling them, I'll be praying for you. I'm praying for you, brother or sister. And and here's how you live your life. Here's what you do. Here's how you keep serving the Lord. Because I might be feeling too sorry for myself. Yet, Paul wasn't. Paul was praying for others while he's in prison. Paul was staying focused on God and his provision are enough for me. And I don't need anything else to make me happy. Because God In Christ Jesus, I'm going to heaven. And God gives me grace and mercy every day. He is enough for me. (laughs) Paul wasn't straying from his faith in God. He was growing closer to God in the midst of his hard time. So many times we do that. We have hard times. And what happens is, is that hard time draws us away from God. Instead, brothers and sisters, let those hard times Make you remember the the reasons you love God. Make you remember God's grace. Make you remember God's mercy and cause you to fall deeper in love with God. Now, I don't know about you, 
But this week, this sermon and me writing the sermon has brought me so much joy. It's given me a fresh perspective on my life with God and my situations right now. And I hope it's doing as well for you. But let's keep going. Verse four. I got a I got a big long bout to say after we're all done here. Verse four. He says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Now, he says here, he says, he mentions that he can't wait to see Timothy. Well, if you go all the way to the end of 2 Timothy in chapter 4, which is the last chapter of the whole, of the whole book, you'll read that Timothy had made plans to visit Paul. So Paul was just, you know, he was just kind of acknowledging here, hey, Timothy, I just can't wait to see you, man. I really need some encouragement too. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he needed some more. Everybody can need more encouragement. And so he was just kind of, Timothy and him had made plans. And Timothy was coming and he kind of gives him, hey, when you come, bring this, bring that kind of thing. So he was really just saying here, I'm really happy. I really can't wait to see you. I'm excited. But then he tells Timothy that he knew he was praying for him, that he would have joy through all of his pain and suffering that he was going through. So he knew somehow, some way that Timothy was praying for him. And since this is one sentence, if you look back here, verses three and four are one sentence, not two, even though they split them up verse wise. Paul was thankful here that Timothy was praying for him and that he knew he was crying in prayer for him every day that he would have joy in this situation. Obviously, Timothy's prayers are being answered as Paul was staying focused on God being enough, and Paul was encouraging and thankful and joyful here. Now, uh, amazingly, this kind of attitude could come, uh, it's amazing to me, excuse me, that this kind of attitude from Paul could come from one who was in such an awful, terrible situation in life. But, nevertheless, it's all where we have our attitudes placed. It's all where we have our focus. Are focused. Are we focused on God is enough? Are we focused on the, the blessings of God? Are we focused on God's provision? Are we focused on God's eternal life? Or are we focused on the bad? What are we focused on? Now, just a side note, just off the sermon for just a moment. I want to just take this time to say that we see here that Paul acknowledged Timothy was praying for him. Well, I want to say you know, there's a little ministry I support uh, it's called Voice of the Martyrs, and I encourage you to look them up. They're an awesome ministry, and they have a they what they do is they support Christians that are in prison, just like Paul was in prison back here. You know where he was writing to Timothy. Here we still have Christians nowadays that are imprisoned in these Muslim countries and the you know in the in the in the in, the, in the, all the you know the foreign countries where Christ is not honored. You know, and Christ is really fought against more than he is here in America. And I would just encourage. Every Christian that's listening to me, make a prayer list and be praying for Christians that are in prison all over the world. It's a really good thing to do. Paul says here, hey, thank you, Timothy, for doing this for me. And I know from reports that I've heard coming out of the prison systems, like, for instance, when a Christian gets released and their term is up and they get released, they say, hey, you know, thank you, everybody, for praying for me. I felt your prayers. It's a supernatural thing that kind of happens as Paul knew that Timothy was praying for him here. I doubt that Timothy had told him. I really think that Paul knew that Timothy was praying for him just because it's kind of a supernatural thing that happens. So as you pray, if you, if you pray for believers, persecuted believers in other countries that are in prison, they will feel your prayers. If you've got an earnest heart and you know you want to see them grow in God and get out or just be at peace where they're at, pray for them and they'll feel those prayers here just like Paul did for Timothy here. All right, praise God. Um, now we keep moving on. But Timothy's tears and prayers weren't the only things that brought Paul joy. What else did? Look at verse 5. He says, 
when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in also in you. So what else did we see there brought Paul joy? Did Paul get joy here because he got news of his release? Oh, I'm getting out, Timothy. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm getting out of prison next week. It's coming. Or better yet, maybe Paul got news of some type of financial settlement that he was getting from his wrongful imprisonment because he wasn't you know, an innocent man being in prison. And he was learning that he was getting out and the government that imprisoned was going to give him money because, oh, man, we made a mistake. Or maybe he was, you know, had joy in his life because he, he got some easing of his suffering that he was going through. No, not quite. What did he just say there in verse 5? He said that his joy came, more joy came to him from the knowledge that Timothy, his mother, and his grandmother were saved. So Paul didn't get joy from anything that he got. He got joy from knowing that those whom he loved were saved. Does that bring me joy? Heck yeah, that brings me joy. It should bring you joy as well too, no matter what kind of bad situation you're going through. So God in Christ is enough, brings you joy. But you know what, Christians? We ought to be joyful. We ought to be excited when those whom we know and love are really saved. But so often, most Christians, including myself, who have been in and are currently in a terrible some terrible situations, we're so guilty of mainly only having joy and happiness when something great happens to us, uh, either physically or financially. That's what we get excited about. Oh, I got a raise. All right, it's going to help out a little bit. Oh, man, this my, my car is running great. Or my car, I took it to the repair shop, but it was only a $20 fix. All right. Or, oh, man, uh, the, my, this, this girl comes up to me, and she wants to get a date with me. All right. The stock market did great. Oh, hallelujah. That's a lot of times what I find for me and those whom I know and love that make them happy, not those whom we love being saved. But you see, since Paul had the surrendered attitude of God and his provision are enough for me and I'll be happy with nothing else, some of his joy came from knowing that those whom he loved were saved. That's awesome. His encouragement didn't end there and neither did his nature of mentoring or training Timothy as the son or his son in the faith. Look at verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, Paul says, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. What did he just do there? Again, we see so much encouragement as Paul was more concerned about helping mentor or build up Timothy to continue to be a mighty man of God. He, he was mentoring and building him up to exercise his spiritual gift, which we know from 1 Timothy is the prayer intercession for the world. Timothy, or Paul was so, he, he wasn't worried about himself. He wasn't thinking about his poor situation. He was concerned with helping Timothy be the man of God that he knew God called him to be. He had his needs to decide, and Timothy's needs were above his. Paul practices here what he says in Hebrews 3.13. He says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So, But the fact of the matter is, is he was not only exhorting Timothy to do well, he was exhorting Timothy to do well while it's called today, while he wasn't doing well Physically, he wasn't doing great. He was in a tough spot. 
And yet he still mustered the joy enough to help Timothy and build Timothy up. And he does it putting aside his own sufferings and his own pain and his own loss that he had suffered. Amazing. Praise God for God's example through Paul here, for Paul's example to me, for Paul's example to you. And he says, lastly, in verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He says here, and, and pray hard and serve God, Timothy, because God's given you his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit leads us to operate in God's power, God's love, and God's correct mindset. We don't have to serve God out of fear, or we don't have to be in fear and not serve God. God's great. God's given us His Holy Spirit, and we're operating in these awesome gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Praise God. Let me just look at this attitude of Paul in this section of Scripture. It's amazing. So, main idea of last week's message and main idea of this week's message, God and His provision are enough for me, and I will be happy with nothing else. Now, I didn't intend on this being the focus of these back-to-back sermons two weeks in a row, but with things that I've got going on in my life right now and and God leading me to study 2 Timothy as our next book of the Bible study, I got the vision from God, and I just tell you what, I ran with it. For me right now in my life, I've got some terrible things going on. I just learned that I have a a huge uh, goiter-sized lump in my neck that I have to have surgery on that has some really bad side effects, including I I could even die or lose my voice. I could not be able to preach anymore. I could, you know... uh, I could have to uh, have, if it's cancerous, I might have to go through some uh, radiology, radioactive treatment. It's a pretty bad thing. Uh, my mother has a, a mental illness right now. My father has some health issues. My oldest son is a prodigal. Uh, the church is struggling, not doing as well as I'd want it to do. And I've got all these things going on in my life. I've been carrying a lot of weight around on my shoulders because of these issues and the questions of, Oh God, why are you allowing these things to happen to me? How am I going to be able to even afford this surgery? Uh, What does my family do with my mother as she gets worse and we don't have four to $5,000 a month to put her in an Alzheimer's home? I've had a difficult time with 1 Timothy 6.6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Or God and His provision are enough for me, and I will be happy with nothing else. I've had the hardest darn time with what Paul said to do. And when I said earlier in this message, this sermon has spoken volumes to me today and this week, giving me a fresh perspective on life with God and my situations right now, and I hope it is for you as well too, I really meant that. I really did, and here's why I meant it. You see, if Paul could have had this amazing and terrific attitude of love and joy, so much so that he was able to write a letter of encouragement to Timothy in the midst of his terrible and horrible situation in prison, being tortured, being abandoned, being in chains, and with all that he had going on, which is way more than any of our situations that we could have bad, those that are probably listening to the sermon, or me included, they're way more, what he had going on was way worse in his life than what I got going on in my life. What Paul had going on in his life is way more than you or you or you or anybody that's probably listening to this message has got going on in their lives. Way more tough. And you see, our situations are nothing to me compared to what I saw Paul go through. Then I realized why Paul had this attitude, why Paul was able to have this joy, why Paul was able to have this this encouraging attitude of life. 
And you see, I realized it was because he was content in Christ only. He was content with the blessings and provision that God had given him in his life and the eternal life that he had in Christ Jesus, even though he was a sinner and he still got God's grace and God's mercy. And I realized that that was how Paul was getting through all of these things that he was going through. And so, even though I'm where I'm at, and I was down, and I was so low and I was so angry and I was so depressed because of all these things come crashing down on my head. I saw Paul's able to do it and his life's worse than mine. Man, if he had it, why can't I have it? And so what did I do? I repented and I surrendered again to the attitude of God and his provision are enough for me and I'll be happy with nothing else. And since I've had a renewed peace in my soul. God showed me some time ago that the real key to a real joy-filled life in Christ is the total surrender or the letting go of all my cares, frustrations, angers, and problems unto Him. Letting them all go. Or in essence, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. God cares for you. God cares for me. And he wants us to put all our care upon him. Because you know, you figured out right now, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for any length of time, and you walk with the real Jesus Christ of the Bible, and you've done it for any length of time, you realize right now, after some time, that just because you love and live for Christ doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to be perfect and wonderful. And you realize that just because you follow Christ, just because you may love Christ with all your heart, doesn't mean that you're going to have, doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. Even with Jesus Christ in your life, times of suffering will come. Beloved Christians you love and walk with will betray you. You will walk with other Christians that will decide to stop walking with the Lord. Times will come you can still lose your job. You can and probably will be persecuted and hated because you love Jesus Christ, even by those you love. Loved ones will get sick and eventually die because guess what? Everybody dies. Everybody dies at some point. You can have miscarriages. You can have financial hardships. You can have everything terrible practically in the world come down upon you, even though you may love Jesus Christ. Bad things will still happen to you because... Life goes on as long as you live, and life is tough, and life is hard until you die. That's just kind of how it is. And again, Christians are not totally exempt from most of these terrible things, no matter how much they love and live for Christ. Just look at faithful Paul and what happened to him at the end of his life. He was nearing the end of his life here. Paul, at some point in his life, reached where he wrote over two-thirds of the whole New Testament. He brought the gospel to all of Asia Minor. He's done more for the gospel as one man without radio or TV than any one man in the history of the world has ever done for God. Yet, God allowed him to suffer horribly in prison, being eventually murdered, tortured, abandoned, everybody leaving him, seeing people walk away from the faith, which is hard. It's hard. I've seen it. It's hard for me. It had to be hard for Paul. Christians are not totally exempt, not even the great apostle Paul. 
And what does Jesus Christ say? Uh, have to say about what I just said? Jesus even told his disciples the same thing I just said shortly before he was murdered by the evil people of his day. John 16, 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you, because he's just telling about kind of how things are going to be, that in me you may have peace. Did you get that? In me, he said, you may have peace. You're only going to have that peace in him when God's enough. And you're happy with nothing else. Then there's peace with Christ. But you will not have peace in Jesus if God and Christ are not enough for you. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You will have, he just said, you will have terrible things happen to you. You will in your life, tribulation, disaster, shipwrecks. You will have them all happen to you in some way or another. You will have them happen to you. Tribulation will come. Jesus promised. But with that promise that tribulation would come, he said, be happy. (laughs) What? Be happy? Jesus, you just said I'm going to have tribulation. He said, yeah, be happy because guess what? I've overcome the world. I'll take care of you through it all. I, If I am all in all to you, you'll get through it. Just lean on me. Otherwise, you won't get through it. But in me, hey, Jesus says, you can have peace. You can have peace. But because I and even Paul had surrendered to Christ and his provisions being enough for us, Paul and both I, even though we're living in different times and different ages, and we're both having terrible tribulations come and happen in our lives, we have peace. Paul had it. I have it today. Peace, joy, and an encouraging spirit. And you see, it's because of our mindset of Christ and God is enough. And everything he's given us is enough. And I'm not going to look for my peace. I'm not going to look for my happiness. I'm not going to look for my joy anywhere else. In fact, by by Jesus' words, you can expect tribulation, terrible things, problems, heartaches, disasters. You can actually expect them. Jesus promised it. But because I've decided and Paul decided that my joy will come from Jesus Christ, what he's done for me, and what he's blessed me with, no matter the outcome, no matter how much I may suffer, no matter how much bad times I may go through, I, and Paul had it too, can have, and and do have, peace and joy, and be encouraging, just like Paul was, you can be the same. Now, Christians, I know I'm not the only one in this world that has tribulation going on in my life right now, but I can tell you what, I know how I'm dealing with it. How are you dealing with it today? How are you dealing with all the tribulation, all the bad things that you got going on in your life right now? Because we all got some kind of bad happening to us right now. Maybe it's not as bad as Paul. I probably doubt there's you know people, anybody listening to this message that's going through what Paul did. But I know there are Christians in Paul's position right now and I pray for them every day. I hope you will too. But how are you How are you dealing with it? Are you deciding to daily make God and his provision enough for you, being happy and finding your joy in no place other 
than Christ Jesus. So are you finding your joy and your peace and your, and your encouragement from Christ and in Christ alone or not? If you don't have this attitude, brothers and sisters, you may not run your race of faith until the end because the cares and the, of the world may take you down like Jesus spoke of in the third seed that was choked by the tares and the riches and the cares of this world. The parable of the sower and the seed. You may not make it, Christians. You may not make it to the end. If you start focusing on just your problems and you stop being thankful for Christ and what He's given you and even the blessings that are in your life, you may not make it to the end because you may stray from your faith. As we heard Paul warn last week, and as we're going to read through our 2 Timothy here, we see five other Christians stray from their faith, depart from the faith because of different things. Okay, so it's no joke. It can happen. If you aren't finding your joy and peace and encouragement from Christ and in Christ alone today, every day, all day long, would you repent like I did today and say with all your heart, and would you surrender to this? Tell God, you are enough. For me, God. And so is the, both the physical and eternal blessings that you've given me. God, you are enough. And you know what, Lord? I choose to be happy in Christ and not in anything in this world. Nothing in this world, not in my problems, nothing I will be happy with other than you are enough. So I beg you today. Please decide to surrender everything to Christ because surrender is the key. And have peace in the wholeness of God, not in this world and not in the things of it. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this message. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the heart that Paul had, Lord. Thank you so much for the encouragement that Paul brought to me, Lord, as things are going on that aren't real good in my life right now and some bad things are, are are in the horizon lord and i just thank you lord god that as paul had an encouraging message to timothy and was thankful and had joy in a way worse situation than i'm in right now i can do it too because i realized his secret his secret was making christ enough making you enough god Surrendering to you and deciding to make you and your provision and your eternal provision enough for me. And I just pray right now, Lord God, for those out there listening to this message, whatever they've got going on in their lives that they're down about, that they're angry about, but it's really nothing compared to what Paul was suffering through. I pray that they also would look at how Paul had joy and love and and thankfulness and encouragement even in his terrible, terrible position. And I prayed, dear God, that they would surrender today and just declare and focus on, God, you are enough for me. Christ Jesus, I will be content in you and you alone and not be happy with anything else in this world. Help them, Lord God. Help them to surrender today and give all their cares to you. For God, We can cast all our cares upon you, for you care for us. Thank you, dear God. We love you and we praise you.
And I pray, dear God, that you'd use this message in people's hearts in a powerful way today. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. Praise God. Everyone, it's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.